This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. The world's most exciting podcast, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times bestselling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. I'm Michael Savage. Host of the Savage Nation podcast, home of Borders, Language, and Culture. Hear my new podcast each week as I speak with top guests from around the world. Right now, we have over 700 shows in our library featuring interviews with world leaders, scientists, faith teachers, and more, including President Donald Trump, Prime Minister of Israel Ehud Barak, Edward Teller, the father of the hydrogen bomb, Jerry Falwell, and so much more conversations and commentary you cannot find anywhere else. Other guests have included Samuel Cohen, the father of the neutron bomb, Breitbart's Alex Marlowe, the great author Peter Schweitzer, Colonel Douglas McGregor. Be here or be nowhere. The Savage Nation podcast. Catch the Michael Savage podcast on all podcast platforms every Tuesday and every Friday. This is an American hero, Bishop Evans, a specialist in the Texas National Guard, and he did something amazing. He sacrificed his life to help a total stranger. He jumped into the Rio Grande River to save someone who looked like they were drowning. He was 22 years old, a field artilleryman. He had served in Iraq and Kuwait. Again, someone was in distress in the water in the very choppy uh, Rio Grande, and he came to the rescue of migrants. The migrants survived and they were allegedly smuggling drugs. The body was recovered earlier today and this moment, this ceremony, service members, Border Patrol, very sad but also beautiful. A soldier died who is doing his duty, and we have a president who's not doing his. You know, Joe Biden took an oath of office. That oath of office is actually very similar to the one that the soldiers have to take. It reads almost the same. Every soldier, every officer, every member of government takes an oath, and they are, with some small variations, essentially the same oath. Now, I'd like to play you something. Joe Biden, the moment he was sworn in, and the moment a group of National Guardsmen were sworn in for their sacred duty. You see, in some ways, it's the same job. Who took their job seriously? 
I, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., do solemnly swear. I state your name. Do solemnly swear. Do solemnly swear. That I will faithfully execute. That I will faithfully execute the office of President of the United States. Office of President of the United States. That I'll support and defend. That I'll support and defend the Constitution of the United States. The Constitution of the United States against all enemies. Against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Foreign and domestic. Will to the best of my ability preserve, protect, and defend. Preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. The Constitution of the United States. And then I will obey the orders. And the orders of the President of the United States. And the orders. And the orders of the officers appointed over me. Of the officers appointed over me. According to regulations. According to regulations. And the uniform code of military justice. And the uniform code of military justice. So help me God. So help me God. So help me God. Congratulations, Mr. President. He is not doing his job. He's not living up to that oath. You heard it to support and defend the Constitution of the United States. Let's go into the Constitution. It's very specific about what his responsibilities are. Under Article 4, the United States shall guarantee to every state in this union a Republican form of government and shall protect each of them against invasion. Joe is not doing that. I don't really understand why. I have some theories about globalism and Democrats want the votes, but I can't really understand why he would so obviously shirk his duties, his solemn duties that the men and women on the right perform every single day. What's going on here? What is going on here? Joe Biden is not worthy of this office. Bishop Evans, again, just 22 years old, was completely worthy of his. He lived up to his oath. I don't think Joe Biden, quite frankly, deserves that kind of loyalty. He has it. He's the president. He'll get it. But he's not worthy, not by a long shot. Some of Joe Biden's emissaries went over to Ukraine. A great deal of uh, fanfare that Tony Blinken and Lloyd Austin, the secretary of state and the secretary of defense uh, in Ukraine, are they bringing this to a close? No, uh, I don't think so. The fight is not over yet, and these guys just don't have the skill and they don't have the moral authority to bring it to a close, especially Tony Blinken. You think he can really slap around and get the attention of uh, all the guys who are warring over there? This guy, Tony Blinken? No. All of us together are continuing to take steps to increase the pressure uh, on Russia through uh, additional sanctions, all of which are very actively under discussion. If he's un unwilling to stop the aggression, uh, we're, we're going to do them. So we will look at each and every one, decide together with yeah. uh, our allies and partners what's most effective, uh, when we should do it, and uh, we'll, proceed, uh, we'll proceed in that way. Okay, and I guess we'll say everything in question form because we are just America and we are just one of many partners and we're going to work with them. And I don't think this is going to cut it. All right. It doesn't. He's no Henry Kissinger. <laughs> you need a guy like Henry Kissinger. All right. You need a geopolitical strategist who's tough. You need an Al Haig, maybe. I don't know. He could get a little carried away. But Blinken, Blinken is a mess. He's not good. He's not ready for this moment. He is a problem. All right. And uh, guess what? The fake news 
They love John McCain, don't they? John McCain told the world about how bad this guy was when he was up for the number two job at the State Department all the way back in 2014. John McCain had this guy's number. This individual has actually been dangerous to America and to the young men and women who are fighting and serving it. I'll move on to Afghanistan. Mr. Uh, Blinken said, quote, we've been very clear. We've been consistent. The war will be concluded by the end of 2014. We have a timetable and that timetable will not change. This is why I'm so worried about him being in the position that he's in. And now he's in an even higher position. His worries were well founded. Not only is he bad at this job, Tony Blinken, it looks like he mm, likes to do business deals on the side. Hunter Biden. Yeah, a while back, Hunter Biden, we all know about him, sends the then Deputy Secretary of State, the number two man in the Obama State Department, an email. Uh, have a few minutes next week to grab a cup of coffee. I know you are impossibly busy, but would like to get your advice on a couple of things. The number two man of the State Department says absolutely to poor, addicted Hunter, who, of course, is very close to Joe Biden. And uh, that's not right. That's not right. No, by the way, his secretary of defense, the one who went with him, not much better. Um, I'm sorry, but these guys blew it before, during and after Afghanistan. I can't imagine this guy on the world stage. He can't handle the reporter from Reuters. We intend to send forces outside of, uh, of the airfield to, uh, to collect up uh, uh, American citizens or Afghans, uh, but we will continue to uh, coordinate and deconflict uh, with uh, with the Taliban. Of course, uh, you know we we also did uh, were in support of the uh, of the uh, state led um, SIV process, SIV applicant process. Are you serious? This is not leadership. This is. This is bad. This is weak. This is beneath America, both from him, Blinken, and of course, Joe. All right. Now, this is a less important matter, but it caught my attention over the weekend. You know, there's a new book out about Jill Biden. Jill, a biography of a first lady. Now, I'm no Jill Biden uh, student or scholar or expert in her comings and goings, but I know a couple of things because I've been watching the news and listening over the years. And I know that there are major holes in their story and also in this book. Here's how they met, by the way, officially. Fascinated by this story that he basically got his eyes on you when he saw a picture of you in an advertisement. Is this true? Well, part of it is true. I had met him uh, once before, and um, but we were in a crowd and it was at a fundraiser. And um, so then I guess he saw my picture somewhere and he said, oh, now that's the kind of girl I'd like to date. And I knew his brother. So his brother said, oh, I know her because I was in college at the time with and his brother was there. And so uh, Frank called me and uh, or got my number and Joe called and said, you know, this is Joe Biden. And um, would you like to go out? And uh, where was your first date? We went to Philadelphia to the movies. Do you remember the film? No, I don't. Hmm. Look, I don't mean to nitpick, but uh, I don't believe her. My parents, their first movie was Psycho. Alfred Hitchcock, they actually went to Psycho. I know that. It's family lore. In the book, 
they know the movie. In the book, the movie is mentioned. Is this a small thing? Uh, keen to enjoy their evening without the peering eyes of the Delaware press, Joe and Jill drove to Philadelphia for dinner and a movie. The French film A Man and a Woman was about a relationship that forms in the shadow of lost spouses. All right. Now I am going to nitpick here. Their first date was in 1975. That movie came out in 1966. Uh, I mean, maybe it was one of those art theaters and they were re-showing it, right? More from the book, the new biography about Jill Biden. Jill's husband, Bill Stevenson, yes, she was married before, was one of those young people excited about the prospect of a senator from their generation. Jill's dining room was stacked with Biden campaign literature for Bill to distribute. Uh, next, we have Bill wanted to go to the party to celebrate the state's newly elected senator. Yeah, this is when they won. He needed to convince his wife to join him, so he promised her dinner at a restaurant across the street that she loved. She acquiesced. Then Jill and Bill went to dinner, gone by the time Joe gave his acceptance speech. All right, one more thing. Jill made her way over to shake Nelia's hand, Joe's first wife. Congratulations, she said. Problem is, this is not how Bill Stevenson, Jill's husband, tells the story. He says they very much had a relationship when Bill was still married to Jill. I'm sorry. I know it happens to good people all the time and people make mistakes, but why whitewash this? Here's Bill Stevenson again, Jill Biden's first husband back in 2020. So you were friends with Joe Biden. Oh, yeah. Right before the election in 72, Jill, Joe, Nelia, and I were in his kitchen. How do you forget that? Stevenson says his first inkling something was up came when Jill refused to go with him to meet Bruce Springsteen, who was booked to appear at the Stone Balloon. He said, uh, Joe asked me to keep an eye on the boys. And I just thought to the back of my mind, hmm. One day, he says a man came into his bar and asked him to pay damages for a fender bender that involved Jill. He looks at me and he says, oh, she wasn't driving. I said, her beloved Corvette, she wasn't driving it? He goes, Senator Biden was driving it. And I went, what? And then he knew. Look, seems like a nice guy, by the way, really nice guy. Um, this happens to real people. Things happen in life. I'm actually not judging anybody. I'm more judging the fake news here. Now, this book was written by a major reporter from the Associated Press. Her name is uh, Julie Pace. And why wouldn't she include this information? She's writing a book. I know about it. And she doesn't put it in the book. This guy spoke on television. It's not in the book. And she is an Associated Press executive, something or other. Isn't that right, Chris Wallace? Julie Pace making her first appearance here in her big new job as executive editor for the entire whole worldwide Associated Press. Wow. Uh, but I guess she basically serves as a ghostwriter slash um, promoter propagandist for the Bidens. I almost really don't blame her so much. Well, I do a little bit because this book seems to be not a book you write about a sitting first lady. I'm sorry. And there's a lot more going on for the executive editor or the Associated Press, whatever she does. But Joe and to a lesser extent, Jill are dishonest people. They've been dishonest. Joe is notorious, legendary for looking right at people 
and lying like crazy. What law school did you attend and where did you place in that class? And the other question Who is, cares? could you quickly, I, I think we I, I think I probably have a much higher IQ than you do, I suspect. <laughs> I went to law school on a full academic scholarship, the only one in my, in my class uh, to have a full academic scholarship. In the first year in law school, I decided I didn't want to be in law school and ended up in the bottom two-thirds of my class and then decided I wanted to stay, went back to law school and, in fact, ended up in the top half of my class. I won the international moot court competition. I was the outstanding student in the political science department at the end of my year. I graduated with three degrees from undergraduate school and 165 credits, only need 123 credits, and I'd be delighted to sit down and compare my IQ to yours if you'd like, Frank. And he's so smug. He's so happy with himself, but everything he just said was untrue. So bad that he had to drop out of the race. Because back then, the media, they weren't afraid of catching Democrats in lies. Biden now concedes he did not graduate in the top half of his law school class, that he does not have three degrees from college, and that he was not named outstanding political science student in college. Newsweek says Biden actually went to school on a half scholarship, ended up near the bottom of his class, and won only one degree, not three. Joe Biden ranked 76th in a class of 85 at the University of Syracuse Law School. I mean, this guy comes off this whole thing as a flyweight. Now Biden says Newsweek is right. His memory had failed him. Is this the guy who could ever live up to an oath of office, a solemn promise? Of course not. And we're all seeing it. And the consequences are absolutely devastating for all of us, but particularly for that 22-year-old soldier this weekend. Stay with us. We are very, very grateful for Elon Musk. He did a great thing. He bought Twitter. He owns it now. It's awesome. And it's a major victory for the freedom of speech. Rob Carson, host of the Newsmax Daily Podcast. Tired of boring traditional news updates? How about one with a conservative point of view and it's actually funny? You can subscribe for free on the Apple Podcast app and it downloads directly to your smartphone so you can listen while driving, uh, to work, riding a bike, at the gym, or even while lobster fishing off the East Coast. Subscribe today with the Apple Podcast app or go to NewsmaxTV.com slash podcasts for other platforms. Something's coming. All I All can, I can say, say is that the fake news just doesn't get it, do they? And the fake news, oh boy, their hearts are broken tonight. We, however, conservatives are thrilled because, well, a major victory for free speech thanks to Elon Musk. Yes, the genius slash billionaire slash uh, space and car pioneer. This guy's amazing. Yeah, a little bit eccentric, but so what? Fantastic. He bought Twitter. He's 50 years old and he got Twitter for a little over $43 billion. Now, why is that important? You may not have a Twitter account, but it is so important to the national dialogue in this country. And lately, Twitter has been using their power for evil, essentially, silencing voices they disagree with. Elon Musk, from all appearances, will reverse that. Maybe Trump will come back to Twitter. Maybe he won't. He has voiced skepticism about that. But this is a big deal. It's fabulous. And quite frankly, I'm breathing a bit easier right now. You know, the thing with Twitter is, 
imagine this, and we've talked about it before, Alexander Graham Bell invents the telephone. Can you imagine if he only gave that phone or sold that phone to people with whom he agreed he monitored the conversations? And if he agreed with you, he gave you a very clear signal. If he didn't agree with you, Maybe he made that signal not so easy to hear. Maybe he cut it off from time to time. Maybe he even took your phone. That's what Twitter was doing. That's what Twitter was doing. How about Thomas Edison with the light bulb, huh? What if he only gave light to those who, uh, again, were, I don't know, people he would vote for, for office? No, we would have taken it from him. And that's actually what I've been urging. I think the government may want to take over. I know it doesn't sound conservative, but take over Twitter. Hey, the next best thing happened. A good-hearted man by the name of Elon Musk has done it. By the way, you know why Twitter was doing the things it was doing? To stop Trump. To stop Trump and his supporters. And you can ask Donald Trump. He said having a Twitter account with all of his followers, it was like better than owning 50 newspapers. Tweeting happens to be a modern day form of communication. I mean, you can like it or not like it. I have between Facebook and Twitter, I have almost 25 million people. It's a very effective way of communication. And it drove the left crazy. He was better at it than Hillary, better at it than all the Republicans he ran against. So they said this must be this must be corrupt. This must be he must be ruining America with his with his Twitter. No, he was just bypassing the mainstream media. Of course, they had to vilify him and make it seem as horrible as possible. It's jaw dropping and yeah. downright scary and dangerous. And Donald Trump's Twitter account increasingly is becoming a national security threat. And he is a big person, a bully on Twitter. And essentially double down boasting about the statement that he made on Twitter. Um, is this the Donald Trump effect of trying to be outrageous? I mean, this is this is dangerous. Trump's addiction to Twitter is not only politically counterproductive, it is dangerous on many levels, including uh, to national security. I want to shine a spotlight on showing how dangerous uh, Trump and his Twitter button can be. Uh, get over yourselves. They were jealous. They were jealous of his skill, of his reach, and not having to go through people like Wolf Blitzer to get the information out. He could just go right over their heads, and he was so good at it, they would have to react to him. So, hey, you know what's a good question for all of these uh, fake news types? If Trump was so dangerous, why did you cancel? Why did you get rid of the message when he called for peace on January 6th. Do you remember what we happened? We have to have peace. So go home. We love you. You're very special. You've seen what happens. You see the way others are treated that are so bad and so evil. I know how you feel. But go home and go home in peace. He said that on January 6th. He had been tweeting, go home in peace, respect law enforcement. They took those messages down on January 6th. President Trump pointed this out over the weekend. He put a statement out, reads as follows, pretty simple observation. Why did Twitter quickly take down this video that I made on January 6th? And why isn't the unselect committee of political hacks talking about it? It put that video, which I'm very familiar with. We played it here. I guess I didn't realize they took it down so quickly after he put it up. A call for peace. Maybe Democrats didn't want peace. Maybe Democrats, maybe Nancy Pelosi, who else? I don't know. But I did see, and so did you, people let into the Capitol 
They wanted to disrupt the debate that I wanted to take place, the debate over the electoral votes. It stopped because of what happened on January 6th. The rioters got in the way. The rioters may have been facilitated by Democrats. The, the January 6th committee really should look into that, don't you think? Meanwhile, this is a bad day for Barack Obama, a bad day for the left. Now, they're not going to concede. Um, they're not going to walk away. I don't know what they have up their sleeve, but when he said this about big tech, it's a little bit, I don't know, there's something off about it. You tell me. All we see is a constant feed of content where useful, factual information and happy diversions and cat videos <laughs> flow alongside lies, conspiracy theories, junk science, quackery, white supremacist racist tracks, misogynist screeds. And over time, we lose our capacity to distinguish between fact, opinion, and wholesale fiction. And who's going to determine what's fact and what's fiction? You, your big tech friends, Barack Obama, and he thinks so little of this country. White supremacy, white supremacy. Here we go again with white supremacy. You know, listen to this conversation he had a while back with Bruce Springsteen. This is what he thinks about America. And by the way, Bruce shouldn't have gone along with this. Take a look. In an ideal world, what Bruce and Clarence portrayed on stage was essentially a reconciliation, right? Yeah. And redemption. That's right. But most of your audiences were primarily white. And they can love Clarence when he's on stage, but if they ran into him in a bar, suddenly oh, uh, yeah. the N-word comes up. Yeah. Clarence Clemens, the saxophonist, the N-word, people called him the N-word, the Bruce Br This is what he thinks about us, huh? It's not America. He is so out of touch, wildly out of touch, literally on the beach with billions of dollars. You know, Netflix paid him $60 million to make bad documentaries like uh, this one, Barack Obama pretending he's uh, Jack Hanna, walking around on a beach, wasting all of our time, by the way, if you watch this junk, and he's just cashing in. Take a look at it. It's funny. It's so, it's ridiculous. I want to make sure that the world's wild spaces are there for my kids and my grandkids. Join me in this celebration of our planet's greatest national parks and wilderness, a journey through the natural wonders of our shared birthright. Hey, hey, hey. I mean, give him $60 million. He's probably a billionaire already. Everyone is throwing money at this guy. Why? I don't know. Look, going back to the new expected anticipated freedom we have on Twitter, we should be able to say that the thing you're about to see isn't right. It's not. And it was produced, by the way, by Disney and ABC. You know these guys run the Good Morning America show, right? And Good Morning America, been around for a long, long time, a couple of years back, they, well, and they think they've been doing it ever since, pushing this crazy transgender agenda on kids. Please welcome Desmond Naples, a.k.a. Desmond is amazing.
That's not amazing. It's kind of pathetic, actually. There's no talent there. I've seen So You Think You Can Dance. This kid can't dance. I don't know what's going on here. And why is everybody in that audience losing their mind happy about this spectacle? That kid is 11 years old at the time. And they're pretending it's normal. They're pretending this is healthy. Jasmine, you're one of the youngest and first drag queen slash kids. And I've heard that messages from young adults who look up to you for being who you are. What are some of the notes you've gotten? Some of the notes I've gotten are like that you inspire me very much and I wish I could have had the support that you have. Um, all right. I'm not impressed. In fact, I don't like it. I don't think it should be on television. And you know what? I'm going to tweet that. All right. And now you can. No offense to uh, it's really about his parents. I don't think kids should be doing this on television when they're 11. Give them more time or at least show them how to dance, play an instrument, something to be celebrated by this for this confusion and nothing else. That's wrong. Stay with us. Donald Trump had an awesome rally in Delaware, Ohio over the weekend. We'll have the highlights. So the uh, rally on Saturday night in Ohio, I thought it was great. And here's something that is working for him that I don't think people talk about. It's a Saturday in April of 2022. If he runs for president, that's more than two years out. He's there on a night when he doesn't have to be. He doesn't need to be there, but he's there anyway. I think that goes a long way. Um, yeah, I do. Anyway, here's a bit. We need... 28,000 soldiers along the border, free. He looks at me like, free? Why would we do that? We need something called stay in Mexico. So I looked at him, I said, you don't think you're going to do this, right? They said, we're not going to do any of them. Why would we do it? We're not going to give you 28,000 soldiers for free. I said, yes, you are. Because it's now Friday afternoon at 1 o'clock. And on Monday morning at 8 o'clock in the morning, I'm putting on a 25% tariff. All of the cars that you stole our industry, stole 32%. Every car that comes into the United States is going to have a tax or a tariff of 25%. He looked at me and said, sir, it would be an honor to have 28,000 soldiers on the border. It would be an honor to have stay in frickin' Mexico. We want to have stay in Mexico. Freaking Mexico. I like that. I liked it a lot. And it did work. Wow. Did it work? What else? You look at this crowd as far as the eye can see. But I always said, you know, I thought that I thought that the cameras were probably fixed. I thought they may be fixed so you couldn't turn them. And then one day there were a couple of troublemakers way in a back corner. And those cameras were ripped around and that steel bent so beautifully and they covered that back corner. So and then I realized they just don't want to talk about the crowds. They refuse to do it. They sit back there nice and smug. But you know what? We're getting the word out better than anybody's ever gotten the word out anyway. 
Good for him. And it's true. It's true. Even without Twitter. And he might get it back. Uh, wrapping up. With the help of everyone here today and citizens all across our land, we will make America powerful again. We will make America wealthy again. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. Thank you, Ohio. Thank you. Thank you very much. Man, he nails it. He really does. So major, major, major. He also endorsed uh, J.D. Vance on Saturday night. He should be on the show later this week. All right. That brings us to Kevin McCarthy. I have my issues with him. I think you do, too. However, Elizabeth Warren took it too far this weekend. Now, Kevin McCarthy, of course, said that he was going to tell the president to resign in the aftermath of January 6th. That's the worst possible advice. He clearly was overreacting. But listen to how Liz uh, says it. He told me he does have some responsibility for what happened, and he needs to acknowledge that. The only discussion I would have with him is that I think this will pass, and it would be my recommendation we should be done. You know, he's not saying that now. What's your reaction? Kevin McCarthy is a liar and a traitor. Wow. Traitor. Now, the way she's saying traitor, she's saying traitor to the republic, to the country. And I think, you know what the penalty is for that? Yeah, the, the biggest kind, the firing squad. Now, I think he's a traitor to MAGA. That just means, you know, I don't like him anymore. So Kevin McCarthy, here's... Here's something else. No, he's no traitor to the country, but he did get nervous when he shouldn't have gotten nervous. And here's the thing. I listened to that call and all he's doing is evaluating, analyzing. He's not leading. You know, he's the GOP leader in the House. He's not leading. He's reacting. And he says that he's going to get impeached. This is a fait accompli. I'm just going to and then that's going to happen. So I'm going to advise the president to do this. Lead lead. He's been there since 2006. I think he's only interested in the leadership that keeps you in power, not the leadership that gets things done. All right. Also, who remembers Rob Reiner, the meathead on All in the Family? Yeah, he was a meathead then, and he is a meathead now. Came from a famous uh, entertainment family, and uh, some would say a decent director himself, although the only movie I can think of was terrible, A Few Good Men. They got so much wrong in that movie. Uh, he's a totally hysterical, over-the-top Trump hater. And this is the kind of rhetoric that, well, he's not alone. There are a lot of lefties who believe this, and they portray Trump as, well, listen. This week, Rob Reiner wrote, Every day that goes by without Donald Trump being indicted for leading a deadly insurrection to overthrow the United States government takes us one day closer to ending our democracy. What prompted you to, to tweet that? Well, I mean, you just look at what's going on right now. You have a man, a former president of the United States, who led and incited a deadly insurrection to overthrow the U.S. government. He now is in control of one of the parties in this country. 
relax, relax, and stop hyping it. Stop lying. The exaggerations are so much that he's actually lying, and it's bad for him. It's bad for the country. Trump isn't the danger. It's overreaction to this perceived monster they want to see. Does that make sense? I hope so. When we come back, J.R. Majewski, he's running for Congress, and uh, look at what he does. This is something he, yeah, he made it himself right into the lawn. He's an Air Force vet, uh, lives in Ohio, and uh, looks like he may be going to Congress. Great guy. We'll be right back. the go and need news now. No paywalls, no cable subscriptions. Just download the Newsmax app from your smartphone store. It's free. And watch Newsmax TV anytime, anywhere. In the audience, we have somebody doesn't know he's going to be announced, but I have to because he's been out there. J.R. Majewski, he's been fan. Where is he? Where is JR? Hello, JR. You didn't even, they didn't even give you a good seat, JR. But we, but we love you, JR. Thank you very much. Thank you, man. This guy, he carves that name Trump in those fields. He's a genius. Thank you, JR. Really nice. That was an awesome moment, and I'm so pleased that J.R. Majewski, a Republican from Ohio, joins us right now. He's running for the congressional seat. I believe it's the 9th District. Uh, J.R., welcome to Newsmax. What was that like the other night? It seemed really cool. Man, I can't tell you, Greg. Uh, every time I see that man, he blows my mind. He gives me, and I get eagle bumps. You know, I'm such, I'm such a patriot. We don't get goosebumps over here in Northwest Ohio. We get eagle bumps, and... Uh, President Trump is is got to be one of my favorite men on this on this planet, and uh, the fact that he recognized me, you know, it was amazing. Um, really, really, really amazing. Truly humbled. And you know, you'll always have that moment. But I think you're going to be working with him when you get to Congress, and let's hope that happens. So, look, uh, one other thing before we talk about your background, just is it a hobby or how did this happen? You do kind of paint amazing murals right into the grass. And when they're done, you know, they say wild things about Trump. Uh, they're very beautiful. Where did you learn how to do this? And, and how did it come about? Well, you know, uh, art school. Um, in, in high school, I took some advanced art classes. And then I was fortunate enough to have a, a staff of folks that uh, are highly skilled engineers in, in their off time. Uh, they helped me design a grid in which, you know, would, would, would allow me to do things like this. But, uh, you know, it all started in, in 2019, actually. Uh, 2020 was the Trump 2020, but in 2019, we painted the world's largest um, uh, old glory flag on my lawn, um, myself and a bunch of veterans, in opposition of Colin Kaepernick and all the other spoiled brat uh, NFL players. But 2020 was a new wave. Uh, we did Trump 2020 when the nation was torn and BLM was burning down our cities. And so it just uh, it, it's it's spawned from there. And, um, you know, I've, I've supported President Trump since the day he came down that escalator. And uh, if, if, if these little paintings that I, well, these big paintings that I do for him, uh, if that gets the uh, base here in Ohio rallied up, I'd paint every week. That's amazing. And uh, it was just so cool to get the recognition and uh, you deserve it. Tell us a little bit about your time in the Air Force and what you did after that. Well, I spent four years in the Air Force. I served over in uh, Afghanistan Operation Enduring Freedom. And uh, after the United States Air Force, I came home, finished my master's degree, 
And uh, I've spent the past 20 years working in the nuclear power industry. As a matter of fact, I just resigned my position about two weeks ago, uh, where I was managing the spent nuclear fuel for a bunch of our reactors here across the country. All right. Now, when you get to Congress, I, I know I, we know a lot about the MAGA agenda. We love it. But uh, what's your priority? What do you want to make happen? Number one, disrupt the Biden agenda and conserve what, uh, you know, what liberties we have left and um, guard, create a team of, of folks that are going to be supporting President Trump and, and uh, uh, maintaining Congress until he gets into office. I mean, you know, we, we need a leader. That's that's probably the uh, um, most shining light right now, in my opinion. Um, we, we, we really need to get leadership in Congress, but disrupt and conserve but uh, energy independence is, is my forte. Uh, there's not a member in Congress that knows energy like me, baseload power. Uh, it's important to our national and cr critical inf infrastructure in our national defense, as well as our economy. So you're going to bring a strong-willed, uh, patriotic conservative that can stand with the best of them, that isn't intimidated, but uh, is actually highly intelligent, highly articulate, loves this country, knows how to fight, and can speak a really, really good game when you're talking about our energy grid. All right. Excellent. I think you're the kind of guy that the founding fathers had in mind. Seriously, not a career politician and you've got real expertise in something. Good luck. Keep in touch. And you can go, folks, to jrmajewski4congress.com, jrmajewski4congress.com. We appreciate it, sir. All the best and thanks. Thank you, Greg. And hey, my buddy wants me to give a shout out to your CEO, Chris Ruddy. Uh, I have a mutual friend and uh, Love what you guys are doing, Greg, and I'm glad to be on with you, man. I've been watching you for quite some time. So you got a Patriot fan here in Ohio. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, JR. And yes, our best to the boss. He made it all happen. Thank you, JR. To be continued, we'll be right back. He did it. 50-year-old Elon Musk offered to buy and bought Twitter. I think he got it for about $44 billion, $54 a share about. And uh, look, a lot of us think it's going to free up Twitter, which has gone totally woke and crazy and has been censoring conservatives. Something started uh, pretty cool called Truth Social, which was a conservative answer to some of the woke censorship that's been going on. Devin Nunes is the CEO of Trump Media and Technology Group, Truth Social, the former Republican uh, member of the House of Representatives from California, a hero in our book. Congressman Nunes, welcome back. Is this good news or bad news for you? Hey, this is a great day. This is a great day for America, right? This is what we've all wanted is that we're finally some of these woke companies for people to wake up, right? I mean, we were the first to, to be censored, to be shadow banned. President Trump was kicked off, forced to start his own company. And now we finally have others stepping up to take over Twitter, which is really, you know, something different. I think a lot of people get these social media companies confused. But Twitter is a global PR wire. Uh, it really is the world's town square. And it was overrun by woke freaks. Uh, and what we're doing on True Social is we're actually trying to take the best of multiple social media companies. We're building a community. And, you know, even though we've only been, we're fully launched now, by the way, Greg, we opened up on Saturday. Everybody who has an iPhone can get the app right now. It shows President Trump and myself have one goal, right? President Trump didn't need a new company. I didn't need a new job. But we wanted to open up the Internet and give the American people their voice back. So today's a big victory for everyone in that sense.
That is awesome. Uh, makes a lot of sense. Uh, do you think uh, the Truth Social, he's going to be all over that? I've heard conflicting things about Donald Trump going back to Twitter. Uh, most recently, I think he said he doesn't want to. He actually likes the way he's been getting the information out. I only have a few seconds left. What do you think is going to happen in that yep. regard? Well, President Trump has been very clear, very clear today that, you know, we have no reason to go. We just built this infrastructure from scratch where we can never be canceled again. So we're not going to put our community, all of our people that, that have come over to join truth at any risk of, of going anywhere else. So President Trump, myself, we don't need to be on any other platforms. Uh, and look, our community is vibrant. It's growing. And that's why I think President Trump uh, has no, no desire uh, to, to go back to Twitter. But he, he was very complimentary, as have I been. Uh, you know, we really wish Elon Musk luck, and I think it's a good day overall for free speech. Awesome. Well, Congressman Nunes, thank you very much. Continued success. Everybody download the Truth Social app. Very easy to do. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Greg. All right. To be continued, we'll be right back. Hey, thank you very much. Uh, thank you, Elon Musk. I think he did a great thing for America, for the world, really. See you tomorrow night. Stanfield is next.